Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, how's you Michigan State fans? How you doing this morning? You're the only fan group that's doing good this morning. Did you know that? I'll tell you what. We're going to jump into week three real quick of Made for More, but Jim Harbaugh has done nothing for me, but Jesus has done everything for me. All right? Whew. I tell you what, I finished yes, uh, our first service, finished up, and I, I, told, I, I was ready to chase people to God's kingdom. I was on fire and just, it's just so good. It's a fun season to be in and it's the fall. And I'll tell you what, I got a little sugar high yesterday. I love me some candy corn and some caramels. And uh, that was the only way to get through that game yesterday was sugar high and candies and caramels. But uh, hey, really glad everyone's here this morning. Whether this is your first time visiting or you're a regular tender at Radiant Life, just we love what God's doing. We got all sorts of things going on in the fall. You can see more, more things went up with our construction and more to come this week and next week, as well as, as you guys saw that church announcement, we're going to celebrate baptism next month at the end. So if that's your next step, get signed up for that. It's going to be fun. Life groups are out there in the lobby for you to sign up. Just great things that we have in store for you. And most importantly, what I think God has in store for you in the journey. But uh, we're on this thing called Made for More. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were made for more. This idea comes is I think a lot of us, we're, we're just settling for a life that Jesus paid a high price for your life. And many of us, we're, we're settling for status quo. And we're not living into the full potential that Jesus died for, for you and for me. And here's our theme verse, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. In other words, they're just, there's no clear path. They're, they're literally just walking around going, I don't know what life is about. And they're making horrible choices and there's chaos. But when they attend to what he reveals, what God reveals to them, they are most, what's this one word? Blessed. In other words, when you're doing what God has designed you to do and the purpose that God created you for, you have full contentment and joy deep down in your heart. That you can wake up every morning with a smile and it says, I can't wait to go do this thing. I know I was called to this thing. And we believe no matter where you are, whether you follow Jesus this morning and you're kicking the tires and you're not sure about God or you've been following Jesus for a very long time, there's a spiritual journey for God to take you on. And what we want to do is we want to take you on that spiritual journey. And we believe these four things, a part of all the spiritual journey that we want everyone to experience here at Radiant Life was experience Jesus. And in a fresh, real way to really deep down know who God is. Because this is a journey of a lifetime. He'll take you places you never thought about going. He'll do incredible things in your life when you really experience the anointing and the presence of God in your life. And we want everyone to experience that. And Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to start a relationship. And it's all about that, to know him personally. The second step is, and you've been seeing this for the last two weeks, is to find freedom. We really desire for people, once they know God, to the hangups of yesterday and the addictions and just the, the shame and the secrets, that we can, we can truly let those chains just get broken off of us and walk in the freedom that Jesus has for each and every one of us. We truly believe in the power of Jesus over sin in life. We truly believe it. And here's what I know for some of us. We kind of, 
We, we get what we call in the church world is salvation. I'm saved. I have a relationship with Jesus. And many of us, we just get stuck here. This is where we get stuck. And as the Proverbs writer said, as a dog returns to its vomit, vomit, so a foolish man returns to his folly. In other words, why do I keep doing? Why do I keep going back to this thing? And it could be that thing that you always wrote on New Year's Day, that thing that you just want out of your life. And every new year, it keeps coming back on your New Year's list, your resolution list. Every time it's there. And we really want people to find freedom. And we believe once you find freedom, you'll discover your purpose. Because you'll begin to realize why I was created because the smudges of your secrets and your shame and your addiction is gone off your glasses. And now you can clearly see why God ever created you. And you're created on purpose for a purpose. And we talked about that last week, that God has plans for you. And man, this is one of the reasons why we have next steps. It's one of the reasons why we run this every other month for you to discover those things. And if you remember last week, 87% of those of us who claim we're followers of Jesus have no idea what our spiritual gifting is. None. And this class is designed, this experience is designed for you. So this is the only time in church world I'm going to tell you to steal, okay? Steal your neighbor's handout and sign them up for next steps. Make them circle in and then hand it back to them say, you're welcome, all right? Right there. Sign them up for next steps. We're going to run this. Uh, right now, we're, the plan is the second service, so this service, all month of October. And there's, three, there's four, four experiences. And you may say, Ryan, I, I know one that I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there for the second week. That's all right. Still go. And then when we run this class in December, this experience in December, you can go to week two of that and get it all done. So this is designed for you. And we've had some people walk away out of this experience and say, I've met my best friends at this church because of this right here. And so it's awesome. So four things. Experience Jesus, find freedom, discover purpose. And then when you know why God created, you're going to be a change maker. And you're going to go out and make a difference in your family and in your workplace and in your school and in your neighborhood. And this community will be transformed by Jesus when we're all living into our purpose. Even you, the atheist, that has, your heart is far from God this morning. God still loves you and has a plan and purpose for you. You just haven't met him yet. And his heart is that you will meet him. And this morning, we've kind of have worked our way backwards in this series, and we did this week one, week two, this, week three, we're going to talk about find freedom. And I'll just be honest with you, today's a pretty, pretty serious message. So I got my joke out in the front about Jim Harbaugh and Jesus, all right? Because it's going to be a pretty serious message this morning. And, and there's two things in Scripture that we see about us finding freedom is James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes that you got to confess your sins to one another and experience healing in your life. I think a lot of believers are really good at confessing things to God, but mm, I, I don't dare tell anyone else what I do. But James says, you want healing in your life? Confess your sins to one another. Say, hey, I messed up. I need prayer. That's one way to find healing and freedom in your life. And the other one is we're going to look at the cross. And we're going to look at different elements of the cross this morning. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians, you have a guy by the name of Paul. We looked at him last week if you were here. The guy who hated Jesus and wanted to just, this church thing, he wanted it done. And he persecuted Christians and just wanted to stomp them out. And Paul, or Saul becomes Paul. 
And Paul plants a church in a city called Corinth. And he writes to them about the reminder of what the power of the cross is in our life. And he says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, this thing makes no sense to those who are far from Jesus. They may just look at it and say, that's cute. You wear a cross as a necklace. You have cross earrings. You have a tattoo of a cross. You have a bumper sticker. It's cute, but it means nothing to me. But... But those who, us, who are being saved, this thing, it's the power of God in your life if you follow Jesus this morning. And so we have a, in our faith, we have a holiday. It's it's our biggest holiday, even though we decorate more for Christmas than Easter. But Christmas is meaningless unless Easter happened. And don't get me wrong, I love Christmas, November 1st, my house will be decorated for Christmas. Just telling you now, all right? I'm already listening to Christmas music. Ha! All right? Some of you, no, after Thanksgiving, who made that rule? Did you know Christmas songs anyways are all about Jesus? So we ought to be singing Christmas songs every day of the week. Some of you are like, oh, I never thought about that. But this thing, we have a holiday right around Easter called Good Friday. Good Friday was not good for Jesus. In fact, that Thursday before he would go to this cross, we have what's known as the Last Supper, where Jesus is in Jerusalem and he goes up into the upper room with his 12 disciples, those 12 closest men of Jesus that he's been doing life with for three years. And he has, they celebrate what's known in their their festivals and their holidays, Passover, and they have that meal and Jesus knows that that one guy by the name of Judas will betray him. Yet Judas is still invited to the table. And Judas gets up to go betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus' heart's heavy because he knows what's going to happen on this cross. And he makes his way out to the garden with three closer of the disciples. And he tells his disciples to stay here and keep watch. Don't fall asleep. And you sit there and they're like, why does Jesus have to tell them don't fall asleep? This is late at night. You're, you're talking 11, 11 at night, midnight. And the disciples have already had four cups of wine from the Passover meal. Now, it makes a little more sense. Why? Why? Jesus says, don't fall asleep. Don't do it. And Jesus is going, and his heart's heavy, and he's praying to God because he knows that this is coming his way. And in fact, Judas comes with this huge army to come and arrest Jesus. And Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. And there in the garden, Jesus gets arrested. And in fact, they begin to try Jesus, which was illegal. In the Jewish customs, you were not allowed to try a criminal, so to speak, during the night. And then we're in the middle of the night, and Jesus goes to six different trials. He goes to see this high priest, and he goes to Pilate. He's bouncing around six different times. And they finally get him and begin to ask Matthew, who was a disciple, who was there, records this for us. Matthew says this. Then they said at his trial, tell us. If you are the Christ, if you're the Messiah, the Son of God, we want to know and we want to hear it from you, Jesus. Are you it? And Jesus responds, yes, it is as you say. And it's this sentence right here that sent the entire criminal accusations and false accusations against Jesus now. And because of what Jesus said, I am the Son of God, you said it. Yes, I am. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. And others slapped him. 
And this was the beginning of the most horrific death Jesus could have ever experienced. In fact, 800 years prior to this happening, an Older Testament by the, uh, prophet by the name of Isaiah prophesied all about this. He said, this would come on the Messiah, the Son of God. And here's what Isaiah chapter 53 says. A prophecy 800 years before the life of Jesus says this. But he, he was pierced. Look at this language. Pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that bought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And that's where I want to land this morning is the wounds. What does that even mean? And how do we correlate the wounds that Jesus had with our healings? What does that even look like? And I'm going to share with you four connection points there. But what happened to Jesus in that moment after they mocked him and spit on him and punched him, slapped him? You would next in Roman ex execution, you would take that prisoner and you would bound their hands either on a tall log or just this little stump or stone. And you would take the cat, uh, the cat o' nine tails or the flagellum and this thing was exactly like this with nine leather straps. And the soldier would soak the straps in water to make it extremely heavy. And many of us think you just take this and just start going to town on someone back and forth, but that's not what they did. After they soaked it, the strands would have horse hair that would tie rocks and bones and shards of glass and metal to it. The idea was to get this thing to stick in that prisoner's back and then rip their back open. And what they would do is as they would soak it, is 39 times they would take this whip. It was so heavy that the soldiers have to have two hands and they would come and if this was the back of the person, they would start and they would hit that right shoulder and then rip towards the center. 13 times on the right side and that shoulder and that muscle. 13 times on the left shoulder muscle. And then 13 times down the middle of the spine. And ancient historians would say is after they got this beating and this flogging, this whipping, that their back, you could see their rib cage and their spinal cord just showing. And that's what Jesus took, his body. They stopped it short of 40 because they believe if they did 40, the prisoner would die. 39 times those wounds on his back. What was incredible is they left the cross rugged like this and exposed because now we can put that open back on this rough wood and make you suffer even greater. By his wounds, we're healed. The whip represents freedom in your body. I know some of you may be thinking, I've had no freedom in my body. I've prayed for people to get healed. I've prayed for all that. Can I tell you, I truly believe the great physician has not closed up shop. I don't have the foggiest clue why God chooses to heal other people here on earth and not. 
For 20 years, I've been praying my guts out, and I'm still praying that God would heal me of my ulcerative colitis. I'm praying he will. But when God takes me home, then I'll have healing as well. He heals people on earth, and he heals people when he calls you back to heaven. I just don't know why he chooses to heal some physically and some not. But I do know that God's still good no matter how he chooses to heal a person or not. He's good and he's faithful. And some of you are a testimony to this. A few years ago, some of you wrote on the on card about, someone of you had a tumor in this room. Going to the doctor's appointment to get it checked up. We prayed for that thing. And the doctor says, there's no tumor, I don't need to see you. Straight but others of us write, man, God, I'm going to a doctor's appointment. There's a tumor, and we're praying for that. And the doctor's news is your tumor's bigger. I don't know why he chooses some and doesn't. But ultimately, there is, there is freedom in your body, whether you get it here on earth or when your time is to go to heaven. You experience that freedom. Here's what Peter wrote. Peter says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live righteous. And here's, he stole this from Isaiah. It's called a remez. Everyone would know where this is found. By his wounds, you have been healed. And then after Jesus took those 49 or 39 lashings, they did something else that's illegal. They took him to what's known as the praetorium. The praetorium was, this is an ancient picture of one. It literally is like the Roman soldier's locker room right here. It's where they hung out. And they took him there and they began to mock him. And they actually blindfolded him and started hitting him. And said, oh, if you're the son of God, prophesy. Who hits you? And they stripped him of his clothes and they put a purple robe on him to signify and mock him to say, ha, you think you're the king and you're not. And they put a stick in his hand to re represent the scepter that a king would have. And they mocked him. One of the authors writes that they actually took that stick out of Jesus' hand and began to beat Jesus with that stick. And then over in the corner, there's someone that took a huge branch, huge stick of thorns and began to weave that thing. And then they placed this crown of thorns on his head. And in the ancient world, you did not place a crown of thorns on a criminal like a tiara to say, I crown you. You took that thing and jammed it on. So after Jesus' back's exposed, he's getting mocked and spit on again. He's got this thing coming out of his skin and forehead. And the ancient writer said, when you had a crown of thorns on your head, what would happen is all that blood would begin to rush to your head and you would experience intense pressure on your head. More wounds for Jesus. And the thorns that Jesus faced represents freedom in your mind. Where is the most pressure in your life? It's right here. It's the battle of your mind. You want peace? Where do you want peace more than anything? Right here. The stress, the anxiety, the worry, whatever it is, you just, you so desperately want peace. 
And John, one of the disciples, writes this. Peace, this is Jesus speaking. Peace I leave you and my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That is why so many of you right now are sitting on this Mind Monster card that we're gonna kick off in two weeks. Because there are so many of us in this room and in your families in this neighborhoods that you live in who desperately want a peace of mind. I'm gonna tell you, it's gonna be powerful the third week in this series. More than anything, I think you need to invite. If you've never invited someone, my heart to you this morning is please do anything to invite someone to this series. That's for you. Pray over that. You got two weeks before that starts. After Jesus got that crown of thorns, they, they took him. And they made him carry the cross beam. Now, prisoners never had to carry the vertical beam because the vertical beam would always be in place at execution sites. So prisoners were strapped to this top cross beam. That thing had to lay open as you already, your back muscles were exposed. And you had to carry that wherever the execution site was. And then when you got there, two things happened. Ten, the tendency was to wrap your hands on this cross beam with rope and drive that nail through the hands. Now we think maybe it's the palm, but we think more historically that it's probably right in the wrist because of the two bones. You could, you could kind of anchor a hand on two bones right there. Think of the Roman world that was ruling at this time. If you ever see movies or whatever and Roman soldiers go to greet each other, how do they greet each other? Elbow to fingers was all considered the hand. So these writers are saying when Jesus got pierced in his hands, their reference is elbow to finger. And they would get two nails driven in those hands, cross the feet together, and many times they would have a little platform for your feet and drive that nail through the ankles. And now you're crucified. The nails that Jesus took is freedom in your hands. What I mean by hands is anything you've ever done in life. That screw up that's haunting you, that addiction that's still haunting you, that thing that you did yet last night or the thing you did 20 years ago that you carry your shame and you regret. There is freedom from that in Jesus' name. There is freedom and forgiveness in that. You don't have to carry that anymore, friends. The devil wants you to carry it, but Jesus says, no, freedom. There is absolute freedom from what you've done. And in fact, the author of Hebrews writes, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. What you've done, Jesus says, I paid for it on this cross for you. I put my son to die the most horrific death in all of history right here for you. But aren't we good at remembering what we did? We walk around and we say, I'm, not, I'm, I'm unlovable. I, I, I screwed up. I can't be forgiven. But God says, no, you are. And the writer continues to write, 
Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciousness from sinful deeds that we can worship the living God. That's powerful. I had someone pray a prophetic prayer over my life a year and a half ago. My wife and I are sitting in the living room in Wisconsin, and there's a bunch of pastors and their wives there. And uh, we're just worshiping, and we're having a great time. And I, I've never had anyone speak prophetically in my life. And I was, I'll be honest, I was a little creeped out. I was like, I don't know, what, what are you going to do? And um, he just laid his hands on. He's like, I just want to pray. And anything I say to you, always go, um, always take what I say and make sure it matches God's word. So we began to pray, and um, man, I'm like, he's a good prayer, right? And like, I'm not even following the prayer anymore because I'm like, oh, you're good. Like, I want your prayer life. And um, in the midst of it, he pauses and he says, Ryan, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Jesus. And he says, you beat yourself up, don't you? I'm telling you. I don't know if I cried so hard in my life. Tears just. Because when I mess up, I beat myself up more than anything. I think I'm not good enough. Why'd you mess up? You're not a good pastor. You're not a good husband. You're not a good father. You're not a good friend. I beat myself up. And the only person on earth that knew it was my wife. And I know my wife did not have a secret conversation with this gentleman and let him know. 15 minutes he kept saying, Ryan, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. And some of you in this room, you need to hear that this morning. Don't beat yourself up. Jesus beat himself up on the cross for your freedom. Walk in it. The devil wants to remind you who you are But you tell the devil, not today, I know who I am in Christ Jesus and I am free and forgiven. So during execution, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And in the Roman world, what they love to do is take main roads and line them up with crucifixions. That way, when you enter the city, you knew, don't mess with Rome. In many pictures and maybe paintings that we've seen in our own Christian art. Uh, you, you have the crucifixion like way up on a hill, way high. It was never done that way. They kept it low so you could walk by and see the excruciating pain they're in. On top of that, they kept it low so you can mock this criminal who was a murderer or a thief. You could go and mock them as well. And on top of that, Some criminals, not all criminals, had that sign on top of the cross to tell them what they're charged for. And if they were way up high, you could never see them. So they kept them purposely right along the main roads, low, so you can read their charges and help mock them. Jesus is on this cross. Dying the most horrific way. I find it very interesting that God sent Jesus at that time to die the most excruciating pain instead of sending Jesus now where it would probably be just lethal injection and he would go out peacefully. But instead, it's this, the torture symbol. 
said about three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus, on the cross, they whipped your shoulder muscles because you would kind of be slumped like this. And you're gasping for air. Over and over. He said three in the afternoon, Jesus cried. His last words, John records, it is finished. And these three words begin to change the whole world. Notice Jesus did not say, I am finished. He said, it your sins, your present, your, your past, your present, and your future sins. They're done with, they're finished, you're forgiven. And Jesus said, what happened in the garden back at creation when Adam and Eve sin and sin and death are linked together and it entered the world and now I can bring it all back so no more sacrifices, it's done. Everyone can have a relationship with the heavenly father. It it's finished. And then when criminals would take their last breath, the Roman practice was to go to every criminal and break their legs. Because if you break their legs, they can't push up to gasp for air. They would just die of asphyxiation. Except Jesus. That was a prophecy, too, in the Older Testament, that Jesus' legs would not be broken. Instead, the Roman soldier took that spear, and they would often take a spear up under the rib cage to hit the heart and make the person die that way. And he came up there in Jesus' rib cage. And... and he took the wound of the spear. And the spear represents freedom in your heart. That past that you're still holding on to. That bitterness. That resentment. You're free from it. And the psalmist says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And in fact, Jesus, when he first started his ministry, he, he went to the synagogue and he started preaching in the churches in the ancient world. And um, this one church in particular, they didn't like what he had to say. And what would happen is you'd speak in the center of the room. You'd go to the scroll box, pick a scroll, read a couple things from the Old Testament and the, and, um, the Psalms and the prophets, and you would roll it up, put it back. You'd come and sit in a chair called the Moses seat. And when you sat in the chair, you would interpret how you're living out your life through the verses you just read. And this is what Jesus said. He opens the scroll and reads Isaiah. And he says this. This is what Jesus is reading. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. What's the good news? That you're free and forgiven. 
And he says, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, not just those in jail cells, but for those people who feel like you're a prisoner to your past and your addictions and your hangups and your sins. There's freedom there. And recovery of the sight of the blind, not just physical blindness, but those people who are blind by the enemy of this world that I can't see who Jesus is and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus rolls that scroll up, put it back, comes to the seat and says, I'm the fulfillment of this thing. And they didn't like it. They chased him all the way to the cliff. They were going to throw Jesus off the cliff. However, Jesus used his little and escaped them. I'm going to ask Jesus how he did that, by the way. But then Paul says, listen to this, not just freedom. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you follow Jesus today, the spirit of the Lord is on you. It's called the Holy Spirit, his presence. And we have a verse that says, if the presence of God is there, there's freedom there for you. Friends, you are called to be free. You are called to be free. It's not just a hopeful thing, you're called to it. And in fact, there's a church in Galatia that the Paul, remember the Paul that persecuted Christians? Paul writes to that church that he started in the city called Galatia. And he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. That there is freedom for you. And the problem is, we have an again, don't we? We go back to that thing. Again. And you don't want to, but you go back to it. And Paul says, listen, when there's freedom, there it is. Don't go back to that thing again. And what I realize is, we stay in something that enslaves us because it's predictable and it's comfortable rather than embrace something that is new and good and true and pure and that's Jesus.